Praise God. So you have picked a great day to be in God's house. I'm excited for you. We're going to be picking up a, a sermon series that we started last week. We're going to be on part two today of Kingdom Culture. Y'all say that with me. Kingdom Culture culture. Y'all sound alive and awake today. Thank you. We are going to be, I'm really excited to be diving into God's word and truly what God says about his kingdom and how Christians and God's people should not just conduct business, but do life. That word culture is a trendy word, ain't it? If you pay attention, you don't need me to stand up here and tell you that our culture, the soul of America, the culture, the soul of your family, the culture, the soul of your independent life is under attack. Why? Because people and nations and governments and culture and media is not doing culture God's way. Y'all know God has a standard. I said standard. Amen. Praise God we're no, we're no longer living according to the law, but the law was perfect. Did you know that? The Son of God, Jesus, fulfilled that law. So now we are in a new covenant according to what Jesus has done for us on the cross, which is mercy and grace. But don't take the bait. Don't let your mind run and say, oh, I don't have to live according to God's standards or God's laws. No, no. When the Holy Spirit redeems your life from the inside, he begins to, to change and transform the outside of your life, the way you begin to live, right? What you internally believe becomes manifested. Come on, somebody externally into the way you live life, the way you raise your kids, the way you act at work, the way you act when nobody's around, right? If you really believe, then something really is transformed. You're no longer uh, dead to sin, but alive to Christ, a new creation in Christ. A culture, that word culture, it means so much, but a culture defines a people. People who live in the same culture, they generally talk the same. Every one of us speaks English, right? Because that's the culture of where we live. We speak the same language. Christians need to speak the same language. You get where I'm going with this? We need to speak God's word. We all need to sound the same, the love and mercy of God. But there's also a judgment day coming. So stand in truth also. To love somebody means I have to Maybe not always necessarily agree with them, <laughs> right? That's where our culture's at. If you've disagreed with me, then you've offended me. And well, God loves you, but he doesn't compromise his word or his standards. A culture defines a people. We, we should sound the same. We should not all look the same as in, you know, we don't want a bunch of robots who all act the same and look the exact same. You you're, have an independent life, a special ability and gifts over your life that Jesus has gave you, but we all need to look the same as we need to be marching in step. Come on, somebody. With the mission, the plan, and the purpose that God has for you, for his kingdom, his children, and for the church, right? So a culture defines a people. And if you don't do culture, life, God's way, You'll let you fill in the blank. Whatever it is, begin to define your life. Some of y'all, you let other people's thoughts and opinions define the way you live. Does that make sense? Why would we do that? Because culture, culture says, live to appease and please people. Their opinions matter. Do their opinions matter? Mm. 
You can wrestle with that. The only opinion, the only person I want to please, come on, somebody, and appease, it's Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, his opinion on your life is the only one that's going to matter. So I'm excited to open up God's word and, and to dive deeper into this with you today. Last week, we really, we ended talking about becoming a child of God, being a child of God, a Christian, doing life God's way. It means I have to come into agreement with who he is as a person, what he says, and what he believes about me and others. And really, who you are in agreement with is who you walk with. And so that's where we ended, and, and, and today, we're gonna, let's look at that first point for today. Me and Pastor Keith, our senior pastor at Arab Campus, we were talking, and I want to give you four things today that reveal the kingdom of God, and we're going to break each of them down over the next couple weeks. And so today, we're going we're gonna to talk about the internal part of God's kingdom, but let's, let's read that, that point together today and package this thought. So it says, there are four expressions of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's the kingdom of God is internal. Y'all say that word with me? Internal. Y'all put that in the chat if you're with us today online. Internal. It's spiritual, physical, and eternal. And the kingdom of God is an all-consuming fire that will not stop until our entire world is redeemed. Y'all know God, his kingdom, and his love is an all-consuming fire. And guess what? Who knows that Jesus is coming back? Y'all read the end of the book? He's coming back, and everything that the Holy Spirit does not consume, the lake of fire will. So you can be all consumed by his presence, his power, and his spirit, come on, somebody, or at the end of the day, you can be consumed by your own sin, your own choices, your own transgressions, your own rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ, at the end of the day, it's all going to be consumed by the truth of who God the Father is. So I don't know about you, but I want to be consumed by him. <laughs> God, begin to start on the inside. And that's what I want to talk about today. As I said, we're going we're gonna to dissect over the next couple of weeks those four things. The internal, the physical, and the, inter and the eternal, and the spiritual. Excuse me. And so today I want to talk about that internal work that God begins to do. Your relationship with God has a start. Some of y'all started maybe yesterday, maybe last month, maybe last year. Some of y'all started like 20, 30 years ago. Praise God for you. Stay in the race. Stay in the fight. But all it's the same for every single person, no matter race, sex, creed, age, whoever you are. A relationship with God always starts in the same place. Where? On the inside, there is a truth. That begins to beckon you and call you. Starts in your heart. It begins to, to, to start with your mind. And that's where God's work begins. That's being part of God's family, God's kingdom. Kingdom culture starts on the inside. The world's culture might tell you start on the outside. The enemy always perverts what God wants to do and what God is trying to do. What does the world culture say? You better look a certain way. You better have the right job, the right car, the right shoes. I love shoes, y'all. It doesn't define who I am, but I still like them. You better have the right girlfriend, the right boyfriend, and then when they like you, they get enough shares on Facebook, get enough follows on TikTok, then 
you get to graduate to the next level. And then you got to do this and this and this. Then you got to start drinking this, smoking this. And if you do that, then you get, you get the next thing, right? God's kingdom is upside down and backwards. Your relationship with God starts internally. And when you get his presence, guess what? He begins that sanctification process, cleaning out this temple. I wish I had a picture of myself when I moved to Arab, Alabama, all the way back in 2012. I won't even be recognizable because I was about on death's door, addicted to drugs, to alcohol. But, I said, but, Amen. the favor of God. My life's never been the same. Because I allowed God inside, he transformed my outside. Now I'm some crazy campus pastor. I'm married to the love of my life. Two and a half kids. <laughs> one in the oven. A house. I never thought I would own a house. I got the mortgage payment, the car payments. And sometimes, I, you know, you need to celebrate little victories, but don't read your newspaper clippings. But sometimes I, when, I just, when I'm thanking God, I give myself a, you know, I never thought I was going to come to this grown-up place of responsibility, and here I am. I still feel like I'm a kid. But it's nothing that I have done. It's what God did in and through me, right? That internal process. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at those other ones, spiritual, physical, and eternal. So that internal is, like I've said, God begins to work. He begins to clean out the temple, that sanctification process. Spiritual. There's, every person has a body. A mind, every person has a soul. And that spiritual part of the kingdom of God is it's where we get our direction. The teaching of, of God and his, his presence, his spirit, the direction and God, excuse me, of how we conduct life and how we live. The physical is the obedience. Say that word with me. Obedience. Only some of y'all obeyed. <laughs> That's not a, a fancy, sexy word that we like, right? Obedience. It means... I have to do something. In Hebrews, it says, faith without works is, if you believe, you have to do something about what you say you believe in. That's where the physical is the blessing of God. The endurance of God needs to be manifested in our life so we keep running and charging the gates of hell for his glory. And that eternal part, there is a promise of eternal life for every single person. Do you believe that enough to share with others what God is doing in your life, even though they may be addicted to drugs, to alcohol, going through really tough things in life. If you really love others and begin to see others the way God sees them, you'll, your heart will begin to break for where they're at. And you'll get over your, what you think they think about you pretty quick. You'll get over what may or may not happen pretty quick if you if you've love and value their soul and their eternal destination. You'll get over the fear of not knowing enough scriptures or what to say pretty quick when you begin to see the value in other people's life. Because God loved you, he loves others. Look at Luke 17. If you've got your Bibles open there. Luke 17. I'll give you a couple verses. Then we're going to skip over into Romans. Verse 20, look what it says. Now he, Jesus, was asked by the Pharisees, when is the kingdom, when the kingdom of God would come? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? Where is it? 
within you internally. On the inside of you, the kingdom of God begins within you. And Jesus was asked a lot of questions, but a lot of the time you see in the Gospels, he was asked to prove who he was, prove to us that you're the son of God, the Messiah, and then I'll follow you. Some of y'all pray that way. God, if you just get me out of this. God, if you just answer this prayer. God, I really want that thing. And if you do that, then I'll start tithing. Then I'll start going to church every Sunday. You ain't going to twist God's arm into doing what you want him to do. You know that? So he was asked to prove who he was, his authority and who God called him to be. And he was also asked many times, when was the kingdom of God coming? And this is what they're asking him. Is the kingdom of God here? And Jesus tells them over and over again, the kingdom of God is at hand. If the kingdom of God is at hand, guess what? That means time is running out. There is a spiritual clock ticking in your life right now. Tick, 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 tick. And when is your clock going to stop? Because when that clock stops, where your life is then is where you'll be judged. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. You can't see it, he says, and you can't pinpoint it. He says it's within you. The kingdom of God always starts with the work that God does within you. I do want to say there's a deeper message. Je Jesus is not saying that you can't see evidence of the kingdom of God. Can you see the evidence of the kingdom of God who's seen a miracle? Maybe some of y'all are sitting miracle, praise God. The evidence of the Holy Spirit gifts working in and through the church. There is an external component of the kingdom of God, and we're going to get into that. But I just wanted to use that scripture to show you that Jesus says that the, the, the spirit of God is working to bring about truth in people's lives because the kingdom of God is at hand and it's within you. And there's good news. Guess what that means? If the kingdom of God is within you, within you, okay? So there's, there's an opportunity for me to have a relationship with God. Because of that same truth, that means it's the same for the person sitting next to you. If you're sitting next to somebody, say, that's for you. That's for you. If you got two, two neighbors, tell the other one, that's for you. That's for you. And guess what that means? That means there's hope, guys, for the world world. The culture, culture, because the kingdom of God starts within you. There is hope for those that you work with. Those aunts and uncles that, that aren't living for Jesus. Those friends at school that aren't living for Jesus. Because the kingdom of God is internal, there's hope. There's hope for our president, for senators, for congressmen, for teachers. There is hope. And I know at times it feels like we are being attacked and bombarded in every direction, right? Is that just me? There is hope because the kingdom of God starts within you. There is hope for every single person. Look at Romans. Skip over to 14, chapter 14. I'm going to give you a couple verses. Verse 17. It says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. This is Paul now. Apostle Paul. He says, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Ugh. Could the world use a little bit of those three things? <laughs> some righteousness, some peace. Y'all say that word with me. Peace and joy? I'm talking... Real righteousness, peace, and joy. 
that's your prayer, if you're searching for those things that are fleeting you, I beg to ask you another question. Are you spending time with the one who gave them? Because everybody wants the power of God, right? Man, you want to have the ministry. You want to have the blessed life. You want to have the blessed bank account, the blessed vehicles, the blessed house. You want to walk in power. You want to minister in power. You want to see signs, miracles, and wonders in your life and the people's lives that you love and care about. But you don't necessarily want to spend the time with his presence for him to do those things. You want the power of God, but you necessarily don't want the presence of God. Being in God's word for five minutes is like, you're on your phone, you can't concentrate, you're like, this is hard. But give me your power, God. Bless my life, God. You can't pray to God for more than five minutes. You pray for you, and you, and you. Asking for is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. The moment you get done, you don't have any of those things. Why? Because you didn't actually meet with the one. Am I stepping on some toes? Who gave them? Because the whole time you were mentally somewhere else, at your job, at the activities after work, on Facebook, on Instagram. The kingdom of God is within you, and if you invite his presence, guess what? You get all those things. The things that you really want, and the enemy perverts everything. If you could get those three things in your life, all the outside stuff would take care of itself. But the devil has you running for all the outside external things, and you're trying to Dress up this, your life and, and dress up the problems and dress up the, the issues with all these external things. And if you could let the presence of God invade your heart and move to your mind and begin to transform your life, all those things would take care of themselves. When you give God the reins to your internal life, he transforms your external life. This is for somebody. You got to take your reins and you got to give them to Jesus, Amen. the Holy Spirit. And when you let the Holy Spirit lead your life, things will begin to change for good. It was a pastor. I can't think of who, his, who it was. He said one time, he said, I don't, have to, I don't have to get inside a horse to control a horse. If I can get on top of them and get the reins, I can make them go where I want, right? A lot of y'all have the devil on your back. And you freely give him the reins. You don't even put up a fight. Okay, devil, where are we going? Oh, negativity? Okay, I'll live there for the next month. Where are we going today, devil? Oh, pornography? Okay. I'll watch that every day. Where are we going today, devil? Oh, hate and judgment? Okay. And he's all the while just controlling you. He's on your back. But if you can let the Holy Spirit get inside you, Amen. you can give him eviction papers 
an eviction notice. But you got to have the guts to say no more. When's enough, when is enough enough to say, you know what? I'm going to try it God's way. And I want to tell you, God's way is worth it. Living for Jesus is the best life, the most adventurous life. If your life is boring, live for Jesus. He'll shake it up, y'all. He'll shake it up. Look at that next point. The kingdom of God is internal. So we're going we're gonna to kind of break down that, that internal part for the rest of today. <clears throat> it says, we have received his presence and power. Kingdom of God is not only external rules and regulations. The Holy Spirit rules and reigns in our hearts, producing righteousness, peace, and joy. So those three things that we just read in Romans 14 that I believe is really the foundation piece of the evidence of a relationship with God and evidence that God is working in and through our lives. And as I was saying, we all want the power and the, the manifestations of God's blessing over our lives, but spending time with him seems to be like this instant, constant struggle. And it's a constant struggle to have his presence because the devil hates your life. He hates your spouse's life. He hates your kid's life. And if he can rob the spiritual authority that God has given you, then in a roundabout way, it, it, he robs everyone else in your family, right? Everybody else that you work with, that you come in contact with on a daily basis, right? And so the key to our victory, guys, begins internally. Every single day, if you want to live in victory, you got to jumpstart that relationship with your Savior. If it's a little prayer, if it's conversation, I kind of I like to think my spiritual life is an ongoing little text message thread almost that, I, that me and God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are having all day long, right, as I'm making decisions. Some are, some are big decisions, some are smaller decisions, but I try to invite the Lord into my daily life. I believe it gives them joy when you invite the Lord into your life as you're doing life every day, and that's the key to our victory. It has to begin internally, and as you, you get better at this, it's just like anything else. The more you practice it, the better you get at it. The kingdom of God is not going to turn the, our world culture and our government systems and all these things upside down for God's glory if none of us are really doing this every single day. The church will not walk in real power and real signs and, and real miracles and wonders. God does those things, but he does them through the church, through people, through believers that are really chasing God, spending time with God really spending time in his presence. And if we could all do that exact same thing, have the same kingdom mindset, the same kingdom culture, guys, we will see and experience revival. We sung about it this morning. Revival, come on somebody, in Holly Pond, right? Revival in North Alabama, right? All it takes is one little brush fire, one little brush fire to begin to spread before you have a massing, all-consuming fire, a spiritual revival in our nation. Do y'all agree we need some revival? Do y'all pay attention to politics? Yay, nay. If you don't, I know it's depressing, but you need to at least know what's going on. It's, it's bad, y'all. But we can't just overtake the White House at the top. How, how, do, we, how do we infiltrate the, our government systems to reflect God's laws and, and God's word? You start from the bottom, and that's exactly what 
the hardcore, crazy, liberal leftists, there's a lot of bad, crazy right-wingers too also, okay? I'm going to pick on both sides. That's how they've infiltrated our government system to where it is now, to where they can say that your son is not a boy, and they don't have to tell you at school that he wants to be something else, and they can tell you that your girl that was born a girl is not really a girl, that she wants to be something else. They would never allow that five or six-year-old to drive a car or pick what they want to eat for, for dinner or for lunch, but they can pick what they want to be. Does that make sense? This is the type of culture that we are at war with. And the sad thing is, they have infiltrated our government systems through the bottom. And to be honest with you, they're more passionate about what they believe. Oh, can I preach a second? Than what the church says we believe. Because God is love and God is mercy. Then I'm just going to stand in the back where it's comfortable. And it's comfortable in the back. But guess what? If you stay there long enough, enough of us stay there long enough, your kids are not going to have anything to inherit. My boys and whatever other child we got inside Pastor Jessica right now, if it's a boy or a girl, I want to give them an inheritance of truth. We know the ending. It's going to get harder to be a Christian. It may cost your life. It may cost your job. Those are coming, and we're getting closer and closer. But I want to deposit and instill something inside of them that is unwavering. Because I believe so much, I'm willing to fight and die for what I believe in. And those that push this crazy stuff, these crazy trendy ideas and ideologies, they're more passionate, honestly, about what they're trying to do and fundamentally change who America is and generationally what what God says over our nation than we are. And if something doesn't change, it's all going to change. Who's going to fight with me? Just one, two, three hands, that's it? (laughs) Come on, are you, I hope I didn't put you to sleep. I thought this was good preaching. Look at Philippians 2.13. For God is working where? In you. Giving you the what? Desire and the? That's the word that jumps out to you, right? When you read Philippians 2.13, ooh, that power. But God first is work. You don't get it if God isn't first working in you. Giving you the desire to do what pleases him. When God is working within you, he changes your desires. Pastor Ian wanted to do all sorts of crazy things before Jesus came and wrecked my life. And all the things that I'm now doing are all connected to what I wanted to do in some way, which is crazy. God God changed my desires, and when I began to do what pleases him, he changed and transformed my life. And it's, it's, it's the same for, for you or your neighbor. God doesn't just look at me and think I'm special. No, he wants... The amount of blessing in your life is accredited to the amount of access you give him on the daily. If you can give him full access, then you get the full access of heaven. If you give him one minute here, when you wake up in the morning, and one minute before you go to bed, there's 24 hours. What percent is that? Where's my math with? Somebody help me. You got 24 hours in a day, and you gave him two minutes. Well, guess what? The amount of access you gave the Father is the amount of blessing you're going to get. So if you need some blessing, give him your presence. When you give him your presence of mind and life and abilities and gifts, he gives you 
His presence. Look at Galatians 5, 16 through 18. It says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the lust, the fleshly lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And there, these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That point that we just read, it says, the Holy Spirit rules and reigns in our hearts, producing righteousness, peace, and joy. And in Galatians 5, 16 through 18, it just says, Paul is saying to the church in Galatia, you shall walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you're a born-again Christian, you understand this daily dynamic, right? This the spiritual warfare that is over you, your mind, your spouse's life, and their mind, and your kid's mind. And if you don't understand that, you're going to always fail. But when you see that everything is an attack, because my fleshly body is at war with every good thing that God wants to do in my life. And the devil plays on that. My flesh wants to take shortcuts and find the path of least resistance and get the magical thing by doing the least amount of work. Jesus said go the extra mile. To live for God means I'm all in even though i got to take the long way. See, i got all these fires. I'm, I'm, I'm physically exhausted. I'm spiritually exhausted. i got the got the two babies. I'm hardly sleeping. I got the one job. I got the other job. I got the ministry job. I got small group on this night. I got church on that night. I got, got ball practice on this night for the one kid, and then I got ball practice. And if you are not careful, you don't have the Holy Spirit in your life at all. You're like that little guinea pig, right? I'm a metaphorical wheel. You just run and run and run and run and run and run. And then you even tell yourself, I'm so exhausted. God, I, forgive me. I just ain't got time for you. On judgment day, I bet you're going to be saying a whole lot more. Is your excuse as you stand at the witness stand like you in court? You're going to be standing before God the Father and Jesus at his right hand. And you're going to say, your eternal life is in his hands. And you're going to say, I just I didn't have time for you. You know what the verdict's going to be? Guilty. What do you do with people that are guilty? key, chunk it. I hope you're hearing the truth today, guys. If you really love Jesus that much, it should not be that hard to be in your word, to pray, to believe, and be even excited about it. He redeemed you. He set you free. Am I speaking to anybody? Come on, if he changed your life, you should be excited. Stay excited. When you're excited and you're running, guess what? It's, it's a lot easier when you're excited. You have an expectation. I, I am who God says I am. You know what? And I can do what God says I can do. And you know what? I'm going where God says that I'm going. And if you, if you start getting tired, guys, and you're running that race, guess what you need to do? you got to find somebody else who's equally as excited. You ever ran by yourself? I, I run three or four times a week. I, I do it by myself because it's kind of my, it's my me time, my prayer time. My, it's my time. But if you're really running long distance, you need some other people to run with you, right? So they can encourage you when you're in the dry season, when you're in doubt, when you're in despair. If you're running alone, this is for somebody. You need to find somebody to run with you. 
who's excited about your race, just as you're excited for their race, and y'all get together and believe and pray for the same things, the good things, and when the other one's feeling down, they're, they're lagging behind, guess what? You give them a little pep talk. Come on. Come on. I'm running with you. Right? I, I'm running with you. Hold their hand. You run together. You run together. That's kingdom culture, guys. Kingdom culture. When you see somebody else struggling, you got to, if you're not led by the Spirit, you won't see them struggling. If you're not led by the Spirit, you might see them struggling and say, oh, God, man, I got over that, that little test easy. That test, oh, man, I got over that. Like, day, week. You see them over there struggling, you might even see them struggling, and, and you're and you just standing back. <laughs> that ain't the Spirit of God. If you see somebody struggling, if you believe in Jesus, when one part of the body is hurting, it affects the whole body. So be the hands and feet of Jesus. Look at the next point. So our victory starts internally, and that's by the, the, the magnificent work of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was crucified, came to the disciples, he said, it's imperative that I go so that I can send the most important thing. Even though I'm gone, I'm going to send the next best thing, the same spirit that compelled me to do all the works that I did. I'm going to freely give them to you. So the key to your freedom and your spiritual life uh, and everything that God wants to do in your life is the key is the Holy Spirit. So he's what empowers us, look at that point, to operate in the kingdom of God and put to death, somebody say death, our sinful nature. And every one of us has it. Every one of us has a sinful nature. Nature And without it, it'll lead me to death, the grave, and hell. Right? We are free from the lust and the passions of this world. If you want to be, the kingdom of God within us gives us dominion and power over sin. We are no longer slaves to sin, and we are sons and daughters of God. So the Holy Spirit is what allows you to operate within God's kingdom, that kingdom culture to begin to minister in and through the church, the home church that you have. I hope that's Liberty Church. If it's another church, praise God. Just as long as you're going to a, a spirit-filled, life-giving church, I don't care where it is, that you are operating, being led by that same spirit that led Jesus, right? The Holy Spirit is what grants us that access I was talking about to all truth, all power, and all freedom. Freedom to say no, devil, and say yes to the Holy Spirit. Freedom to see truth. Jesus healed the blind man, and they were grilling him, right? What did he say? He said, I don't know about all, this, all the stuff you're accusing Jesus of. All I know is I was blind. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? But now I see, right? When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you maybe thought that kids could pick whatever gender they, they want to be. You might have thought that was a good thing, a freedom of rights for the individual. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, come on, somebody, you will see lies, deceit, whatever it is for what it is. Amen. It isn't amazing how the enemy has used that word awakened and turned it into, perverted that even to this woke indoctrination. Peddling lies, deception. Oh, I'm woke. I, I really see. No, you really don't. And God wants to awaken his church in the last days, awaken real Christians that will really give them their life so that he, they can go be a light in a dark place to help illuminate truth and freedom for others so that they can become spiritually, not 
not woke, but spiritually awakened. Right? And the Holy Spirit is the key that we do that. Lord was showing me, what you crown becomes your king. What you crown becomes your king. If you place the crown on Jesus every day, every morning, he'll be your king. You'll have an allegiance to him. But if you can crown all sorts of things, you can crown your spouse, you can crown your job, you can crown your bank account, you can crown your kids. And whatever you crown becomes your king. What do I mean by that? Whatever is your king leads you. And if we're being led by anything else, then we're failing. I'm not trying to say being a Christian means you have to live a perfect, sinless life. That's impossible, guys. That's why Jesus came. But when you fall, do you just feel sorry for yourself and you just stay there for days, weeks, hours on end? Or when you fall, is there a real repentance that says, God, I missed it. God, forgive me. God, help me. Right? I crown you, Jesus. I'm not crowning the issue or the sin or the fall. Because what you crown, guys, becomes your king. Make Jesus your king today. Look at Galatians 5, 22 through 23. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. There's all, all the, these internal things. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self. Y'all say that with me. Self-control. There's no law against these things. We need an abundance of all those things, and some of us specifically need some self-control. You just can't say no. The Holy Spirit leads your life. You can say no and feel good about it. When I, God set me free from my addiction to alcohol, saying no is hard at first. But as I begin to say no every day, God transformed my desires. And I was blind, and now I see. I seen what alcohol was doing to my life. When you get so far in, trenched into your sin, you can't even see the tactic and the tool that the enemy is using against you. It almost becomes your king. You've crowned it. Right? We need all of those eight things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love what Paul says. There's no law against these things. If everybody operated in those things, we'd have a real utopia on earth. We'd treat others the way they need to be treated. We would love and respect others. We could deal with their opinions, even if they didn't agree with mine. And we could live and fully go where God wants us to go. I know one thing about the Holy Spirit. He always leaves evidence of his existence. How do you know, Pastor Ian, how do I know if I'm living for God? One of these eight things, if not all of them, should be manifested in your life every single day, somehow, some way, some shape, some form, some fashion. Because the Holy Spirit always leaves his evidence of his existence. If the Spirit of God is living and dwelling inside of you, these eight things will be manifested in your life. And if you let these eight things manifest in your life, guess what actually happens? Other people actually like you. 
You've been chasing the likes and the loves, and I just want people to like me and accept me. And you're trying to do it all these other crazy ways, right? The devil's ways, the world's ways, your ways. And if you just get this drilled down in your spirit today, people will actually like you and respect you and love you. Why? Because you're not doing culture the way culture does culture. You're doing culture God's way. Look at that last point for today. It says the fruit of the Spirit, those eight things we just read, is actually fruit of the kingdom of God. It's blessing of God, blessing from heavenly places. Jesus said, you will know a tree by its fruit. Every kingdom produces a fruit. This law is how we discern the will of God and the kingdom of God. I want to read Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Show you what Jesus said about knowing a tree from its fruit. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bristles or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear good fruit. Excuse me, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear f- good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, I want you to highlight this as I leave you there. Underline this last statement Jesus says, verse 20. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Did you know that your fruit reveals your family tree? I said, did you know that your fruit reveals your family tree? What family are you a part of today? Are you a part of God's family? If you're a part of God's family, you'll bear certain fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Are you a part of the world's family? Oh, you got all sorts of fruit. All sorts of addictions. All sorts of depression. All sorts of oppression. All sorts of doubt, anger, fear, hate. Are you a part of the devil's family? Are you, you're in sin and maybe you even enjoy it. You get off on seeing others struggle or you judge others or you, you're a part of the devil's family. You do evil. Your fruit reveals what family tree you're part of. And so, as I get ready to close today, I hope you're part of God's family. And it doesn't have to be as confusing and as hard as we make it out to be. Am I really saved? Am I not saved? Am I, you know, saved is more than just a prayer you say today or 20 years ago. Being saved is a daily choice. It's not just one prayer and, oh, I'm set, I'm saved. I got my fire insurance. No, you can say a prayer today in, in two minutes when I close, and then you can go out there and live like the devil, and I don't believe you're saved. When God saves you, he changes you from the inside, and you are immediately adopted, it says, grafted into the family of God. And you will go from a bad tree who has nothing but bad fruit to an amazing 
beautiful, life-giving fruit. And guess what? God's purpose for your life goes beyond you. Because you know what's so cool about fruit? Other people get to eat it. So if you can have the guts to join God's family today, he'll give you fruit, I promise you. But maybe your kids are struggling or your husband's struggling. And if you can bear some of that fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, other people that are struggling can begin to draw from you. I need some fruit in my life. And now God has totally turned your whole family upside down for his goodness. Come on, somebody. Amen. I want you to join me in prayers to get ready to close. So if you're here today and you are already in that relationship I'm talking about, you're in a daily relationship with God, you're born again, you're saved today. I want you to pray for our lost world, please. Pray for a lost world to not be woke, but to be awakened by the truth of God, to come out of their sin, to repent, turn from their wicked ways, and turn towards God. But if you're here today in our sanctuary or watching us online today, and something I said, I hope the Holy Spirit had one good thing come out of my mouth today that shows you, you know what? And you say, Pastor Ian, I am not saved today. I'm actually lost. I'm hurting. I'm broken. I'm fearful. I'm done living like this, and I need help. The best thing you can do right now is send up an SOS. God, I need help. I want your presence. I want your life in my life. So if you're in our sanctuary right now, I don't care who you are. If you're watching us online, I don't care who you are. But if you're making that decision, the Holy Spirit's speaking, dealing with your heart right now, I want you to have guts to respond to what he's saying. All I want you to do is right now if you're in our sanctuary, either lift your hand up really high or I want you to stand up. One of the two. Don't be shy if God is speaking directly to you to say, hey, I want to accept Jesus Christ today. Give you a few moments. If you're joining us online, put something in the chat for us to let us know you are making that prayer to change your life. It'll be the beginning steps of a relationship with God today. A few more moments. Lift your hand up really high or stand up. Have the faith today. Change your life. Become part of God's family tree. Amen. 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 I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. Loud and proud. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We believe in your Son. We confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins, my transgressions, and my past. And send your Holy Spirit to forgive me and redeem my life. Pray the Holy Spirit leads my life until you call me home. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll praise God. Y'all are officially dismissed, okay? Y'all have a great, awesome, safe Sunday. Anybody glad you came to church today? Yeah, a bunch of you. Hey, we're glad you came too, okay? Come back and see us next week. If you're a first-time guest, come back and see me and Pastor Jessica by that orange table we have.